1: Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 180 of the Packaday podcast. My name, of course, is Andy Herman. I am a writer for Cheesehead TV, and you can follow me always on Twitter, at Sports. Really, really exciting episode for you today that includes an interview with former Wisconsin Badger and current Tennessee Titan Tyler Merritts. Tyler was gracious enough to talk to me earlier this week about his time with the Badgers, his future with the Titans, and of course, probably of most interest to you, his time working with Matt LaFleur, and what Coach LaFleur really can bring to the Packers really excited to air that interview with Tyler in just a moment, but before we jump into the interview, we do have a few noteworthy items kind of to go over that have happened over the course of the last couple days, as well as obviously today with the NFC and AFC championship games taking place. Of course, the Rams and Patriots have advanced to Super Bowl 53 in Atlanta. There was a controversial pass interference call to say the least in the Rams game, which caused former Packer Brandon Bostic to tweet out the ref blew the game just like I did. I'm sure that's probably not going to make a lot of Packer fans feel any better about anything, but certainly some decent self-awareness from Brandon Bostic, somebody that, Certainly difficult to feel sorry for him from a a player standpoint. I certainly feel bad from from a personal standpoint for what I'm sure was a a atrocious thing to go through um, and some of the things that I'm sure got said to him. But uh, fairly decent self awareness on his part. The Saints really now have two brutal ways of losing over the course of the past two seasons. Obviously last year Marcus Williams with the play versus the Vikings uh, on the last really the last play of the game, and now uh, the refs missed a call on uh, Nikhil. Roby Coleman and uh yeah, just just a really tough way to lose a football game. I kind of posted the question today, would you rather lose because of a awful play by your own teammates, such as a Brandon Bostick or um, a Marcus Williams from a season ago, or would you rather lose because of a terrible penalty uh, on a referee? And, uh, you know, or I guess in this case, a, a lack of a call by a referee. That was obviously a pass interference call and, and should have been called as such. Um, if you do watch it in real time, while it's still obvious, it's not quite as a Egregious as if you watch it in slow motion, but that's that's a penalty that has to be called. If you if you kind of go back and look at what would have happened after that, it's an interesting thing to take a look at. The Saints would have had the ball. Uh, with about a minute and 45 seconds left on their own five yard on the Rams' five-yard line, and uh, you know would have had three plays to basically almost run down the clock. The Rams had one timeout. If they run three straight plays and don't score a touchdown, you kick the field goal. Of course, you have to make it. We've seen Blair Walsh miss in that situation. But if he makes it, uh, it would have left the Rams with about 20 seconds to, to try to score and, and with no timeouts, and it likely would have been a Saints victory. Things can always, you know, happen. Who knows what, what could have happened? Maybe, maybe the Rams let the Saints score. They get a touchdown, and the Rams go down and, and score a touchdown with plenty of time left anyway. So we'll, of course, never know what would have happened in that situation or scenario, but certainly feels like the, the Saints got robbed out of a Super Bowl opportunity in that, in that regards. Patriots Chiefs, of course, another really intense and crazy game. And in a way, we kind of had a Brandon Bostick play in this game as well, except this time it was D Ford. Uh, late in the game, uh, Tom Brady throws an interception. The, the Chiefs get the ball. It, the game would have obviously been over at that point, but uh, D Ford had lined up in the neutral zone, lined up off sides. The Patriots maintain possession of the ball. Of course, the game goes into overtime. Patrick Mahomes doing his best Aaron Rodgers pression once again does not get the ball in overtime, so he's really taking that seriously and the Chiefs, of course, will lose in overtime to the Patriots. Patriots go right down the field. Three really tough third down conversions. Uh, Tom Brady, who I thought started this game very, very poorly, just was inaccurate in some on some throws and, and didn't really play the brand of football that he's used to playing. But of course, when it comes right down to it and everything's on the line, Tom Brady had a fantastic game and, and leads himself uh, and the Patriots to another Super Bowl. Just absolutely insane what that team's been able to accomplish. And to say what you will uh, about some of the Scandals that they've had, which were at, at this point a while back, uh, the beneficiary of a tuck rule, and uh, sometimes the beneficiary of some easy scheduling, whether whether it be against the AFC East in general over the course of the past decade, or uh, you know just some you know some easy opportunities in the playoffs to play some easier teams at times. But this, you know, they uh, they earned their way, you know, playing against the Chargers now playing against the Chiefs, and if they win a Super Bowl this time, beating the Rams as well, they will have certainly earned this. This go around, but an, an unbelievable run by them and what should really amount to an amazing, amazing Super Bowl matchup with uh, Patriots and Rams really right where it started for for Tom Brady, the last uh, or his first Super Bowl Patriots Rams, of course, and uh, we'll get to see that again in a couple weeks. So should be good. Uh, two very, very entertaining games, some very questionable officiating, and it's getting harder and harder for refs to officiate this incredibly complex, fast paced an important game in real time, the the rules that are written the way they are, and uh, certainly the high definition TV where we can slow everything down to the nth degree does not make their job any easier. But uh, it's it's a very very insanely tough game to uh, officiate at this point. And the NFL has got to look at something. I have no idea what they can do to try to make things better, whether it's more officials, better written rules. But uh, th- it was tough to watch today at times because games swung. There was the, in the Chiefs Patriots games, the roughing the passer penalty on on Tom Brady that uh, it didn't graze his helmet at all. It's just an awful, awful, you know, call in that situation. So the NFL has to fix it and, and hopefully they will going forward. Some other notes, of course, with the Saints losing today, the Packers will officially get pick 30 in the NFL draft, so they'll have picks 12 and 30 in the first round. Some interesting recent number 30 picks, Uh, TJ Watt was drafted number 30 in 2017, Demarius Randall in 2015, and Mo Wilkerson in 2011. So some interesting number 30 picks over the course of the last 10-ish years, and uh, we'll see what Green Bay does with that pick, whether they pick, trade up, trade down, a lot of time left, but if they do pick, there. There's certainly been some really nice players who have been around at that time. Lots of news on the coaching front over the course of the past few days. Um, a couple of our podcasts the last couple days had actually been uh, recorded ahead of time, so some of this news may not have been announced on those podcasts, but we'll kind of just break it down and go over it all at once. Some of these are coaches who are moving on to other teams, some of their coaches that are going to be retained, and of course some new coaches on the Packers staff as well. Some of these names I might butcher a little bit. I apologize in advance. Uh, First of all, the Cardinals actually hired former Packers offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach Tom Clements as their passing game coordinator and quarterbacks coach. Uh, So he was obviously not with the Packers last year, but he finds a new home with the Arizona Cardinals and will be, you know, really instrumental with uh, Josh Rosen and trying to get his career on track. The Packers did hire former Redskins linebackers coach Kirk Olivadotti to the same position with Mike Pettin's defense, so he'll be the Packers linebackers coach. Adam Stenovich, the former 49ers assistant offensive line coach, has been named offensive line coach for the Packers, so uh, two big hires there for Green Bay. Jim Hostler, the Packers 2018 offensive pass game coordinator, was hired as the Panthers wide receiver coach. There's also been rumors that the Packers have been interested in bringing back Luke Getzey, former wide receiver coach for Green Bay. Uh, He's the current offensive coordinator for Mississippi State. Not sure if anything's going to happen there. He could be a potential wide receiver coach, could be a potential quarterback coach. So that will be one to keep an eye on. We touched base on this, I actually think, the last time I was on the podcast, but Joe Witt did, in fact, accept the defensive passing game coordinator position with the Browns. The Browns also poached another coach, Jeff Blasco, who was the assistant offensive line coach last year. He'll take the same job with the Browns. Packers also announced that they'd be keeping a couple assistants with the team. Jason Simmons, the Packers' secondary coach, will be retained by the team, while Ben Sermons, the running back coach, will also be retained on the flip side defensive assistant Scott McCurley will not be coming back to the Packers staff so uh, lots of news on the coaching front there. Um, that kind of leaves the the coaching staff at the moment. You've got offensive coordinator Nathaniel Hackett, running backs coach Ben Sermons, tight ends coach Brian Angelico, offensive line coach Adam Stenovic, defensive coordinator Mike Patton, defensive line coach Jerry Montgomery, linebackers coach Kirk Olavadi, secondary coach Jason Simmons, and really leaves three main openings. There'll be some other assistant positions that will be filled as well, and they could go you know some passing coordinator or you know run coordinator something. Like that. But really, the three main positions that are still open are the quarterback's coach, the receivers' coach, and of course, the special teams' coach. So, a few major openings to keep an eye on going forward. That really gets us caught up with today's news. And, uh, you know, we're really ready to move forward with today's interview with Tyler Merritts. Tyler had the unique perspective of playing and starting in Matt LaFleur's offense a season ago. He had a lot of great insight that you're really going to enjoy. So, without further ado, here's my interview with Tennessee Titans offensive tackle Tyler Merritt. Joining me now is the second ever NFL player and first ever active player to join us on the podcast. He is a six foot seven, 316 pound former Wisconsin Badger offensive lineman who appeared in 51 games for the Badgers, including 40 consecutive starts at left tackle. He lettered in all four seasons at Wisconsin and was eventually signed to a contract by the Tennessee Titans following the 2016 NFL draft. He then spent time with the Chargers organization before finding his way back to Tennessee and earning his first ever start in week two this season versus the Texans. My guest, of course, is Tennessee Titans offensive lineman, Tyler Merritts. Thank you so incredibly much, Tyler, for joining me today. Really, really appreciate it.
3: Thanks for having me on. I uh, appreciate you asking me to, to join you.
1: Yeah, yeah, no worries at all. Again, greatly appreciate it. Um, Before we jump in, I know you're about two weeks into the off season, and besides graciously joining me for a podcast this evening, what's kind of your off season look like so far, and what's it kind of going to look like going forward?
3: Uh, You know, I took a couple weeks and um, just really laid back and relaxed. I went and did some hunting, just enjoy time with family early on, and then once I get closer to heading back down to Tennessee, I start ramping up the training again and, and getting ready for the season. But um, I just love to go back home and see the families. I got a couple of brothers and they got some kids that I enjoy spending time with. Um, I've got a grandma that lives in my hometown still. So I try and see her as much as I can. And of course my parents, I, I stay with them while I'm back home. So yeah, I mean, just, just enjoy the time off. Cause when you're in season, it's such a busy hectic time that I just try to, you know, have a clear schedule and just do whatever I want, whenever I want.
1: Yeah. Time to recharge those batteries. I'm sure. I know the in season is a grind, so I can only imagine how, how refreshing that must be.
3: Exactly. Yeah.
1: So obviously, you know, we're a a Packers podcast and obviously a lot of our Packer fans are also Wisconsin Badger fans. So tell me a little bit about your time at Wisconsin, why you chose to play for the Badgers and what your experience was like in Madison.
3: So coming out of high school, I was offered by three schools and, uh, one was obviously the Badgers, the other was the Gophers, and then South Dakota State. And I just felt like that was the best, you know, town, university, and program that I could be a part of. And uh, obviously, I don't regret it. We had I had a great time there. We won a lot of games, but I mean, the people in Wisconsin are just great. And like you said, the the Packer fans are Badger fans, and I mean, they're just they're great fans. And I enjoyed it. The town of Madison itself is great, um, with the two lakes there. You know, you can go to the Union and enjoy yourself there. The food is great. There's plenty of beer there to to drink. So I enjoyed that. But just the overall experience was great, and I got a great education. I got my master's uh, as well as an undergrad while I was there. So took advantage wow. of that. So.
1: That's awesome. Now now one game in particular that that really I'm sure stood out uh 2014 against Nebraska, Melvin Gordon sets the NCAA rushing record uh with 408 yards in just 3 quarters. What were your memories from that game and just how special was that for you
3: in the offensive line? The best part about that game was it was a night game and it started to snow. And I I remember that because it wasn't blowing or anything, like the snow was just coming straight down. And I think we're, most of us were out by the fourth quarter. So we got to stand on the sideline and get cold while the other guys were playing. But I just remember watching jump around after, you know, we had, you know, had Melvin run for all those yards and we had a pretty good performance as a team. So just to sit back for the fourth quarter and watch that was, was pretty cool. It was special. But then the important thing about that was we were on a three game stretch where we had to beat Iowa, Nebraska, and Minnesota in order to go to the the big 10 championship. And so it was a pretty cool little stretch there at the end of the year when, you know, guys are beat up and you got to play your best ball. So it was definitely fun.
1: Yeah, it was a really fun performance. And it, it just begs the question of how much he could have ran for and how, how many holes more you guys could, you know, open for him had you guys been able to play the fourth quarter too. But uh, I, I don't know if this, uh, you know, has any violations <laughs> attached to it, but is, uh, is Melvin allowed to buy
3: you guys dinner after that? uh he never did um I might might have to call him out on that and maybe yeah I think I think he at
1: least owes you guys something for that
3: he can definitely afford it now
1: (laughs) yes he can I know you I'm assuming you spent some time with him when you were with the Chargers as well
3: yeah yeah that was a cool experience um heading out there and and Derek is there as well so you know got to catch up with those guys again and we played them in London this year so got to speak with uh those guys after the game and Uh, You know, they're doing well. Melvin's had a great year. I know, you know, you don't hear much about Derek being a fullback, but when I was out there, I got to see, you know, what kind of player he was and how uh, valuable he was to the team, being a special teams guy as well. So it was cool to do that.
1: That's awesome. That's fantastic. So I know uh, you know, you're coming out of Wisconsin, which is, you know, known as kind of an offensive line powerhouse. Unfortunately, you go undrafted after the draft, but you are quickly picked up by the Titans. And again, as I mentioned earlier, you make your first start this year in week two against, of course, another Wisconsin badger, JJ Watt, staring you, you know, across from the other side of the line. Thankfully, Jadavian Clowney was out that week, I know, but Uh, What was, you know, kind of your experience going from an undrafted free agent at Madison going into, you know, working your way into a starter in the NFL?
3: It it was pretty crazy um, just because, you know, you go from starting for three years in a row to uh, I was on practice squad first two years mainly. And when I was out in L.A., I never even dressed. So that my first game really playing outside of preseason was against Houston. And, you know, I was definitely a little nervous, but um you're just not in a groove of playing consistently. And so uh, luckily it was week two, so I wasn't too far away from preseason, but you know, I just had to, you know, take all the mental reps I could. And fortunately for me, I got a lot of reps during the the week because guys were down, but um, it was just good to kind of get the rust off and know that I can, I can make it in this league and I can play in this league and, and go against some of the best guys. So it, it was a good experience and you know, fortunately, I got that opportunity and I tried taking advantage of it as best I could.
1: Well, it's a really fantastic story. And I know there's a lot of uh, Packer fans and Wisconsin fans that are really cheering for you. So congratulations on that journey. And, and like I guess just a really cool story.
3: Well, I appreciate it. Thank you very much. It was cool to go and play in uh, Lambeau Field for the preseason game this year. That was a cool experience. And I had some, some friends that came to the game and uh, got to experience that as well. So that was very enjoyable.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I remember uh, week one of preseason, you guys were in town and uh, I'm glad you were able to kind of experience some of that. It's it's obviously one of those awesome places that, you know, I can only imagine to play in. Obviously, it's an amazing place to be a fan in, but that's cool that you got to experience that as well.
3: Yeah, I was just before the game, I walked out on the field and I was sitting there looking around at the stadium. And it's pretty wild to think that Wisconsin has two very historic stadiums in uh, Camp Randall and Lambeau. So you guys are pretty fortunate for that
1: it's a great state to be a football fan. There's no, no question about that. So, you know, obviously this past season, you know, you were a member of the Tennessee Titans and obviously still a member of the Tennessee Titans. And, uh, you played on an offense that was designed by Matt LaFleur. Obviously one of the main reasons kind of wanted to have you on and and discuss with you today is, is because Matt LaFleur of course is now the coach of the Green Bay Packers. So kind of wanted to pick your brain a little bit. Can you kind of tell us as Packer fans about your experience with coach LaFleur and kind of what he's going to be able to bring to the Green Bay Packers?
3: Yeah, uh, Coach LaFleur, he, I mean, he's a great guy. He's he's young, he's full of energy. Obviously, I spent a short time with him, only being with him for a year. But while he was there, I mean, we got a lot accomplished. And and early on, really, our offense changed quite a bit from the, the previous year. And so there was a little bit of a learning curve. But, you know, he puts in the time, he puts in the hours, and is very detailed in what he does. You know, his his scheme is kind of based on the outside zone and zone scheme. But uh he run, he's good at running play action off of it and um you know, it just makes our job as offensive linemen easier with the way he calls plays. And you know, there's you looking at our season this year, there's some shot plays that we just missed where it was, you know, the ball is just a little bit deep or under thrown or off the fingertips and that changes games, you know, that changes momentum. So I think you guys got a great, great coach coming in there. and It'll be interesting and fun to see how he hires the rest of his staff. You know, I think that's a big part of it. But, uh, I mean, there's definitely probably going to be some learning curves for him as well every time you take a step or get promoted in in the coaching world. But um, I think he's, he's ready to go. And, you know, obviously, guys, you can kind of look at the Rams and what they're doing because he was there with – coach McVay for a year and see some similarities. So, you know, the future is definitely bright for you guys.
1: Awesome. I, I'm sure Packer fans are going to love a, a lot of the things that you just mentioned. I remember uh, I was starting to kind of go back and watch some of the film from from the Titans this past year to kind of look at the offense. I remember a few of those shot plays off of play action. Well, that were just misses. I remember a, a play against the Ravens very early in the game where uh, I believe it was Corey Davis, but I could be wrong. That got open deep. And uh, just again, just a, a little bit of a miss. He was, you know, the, whoever it was, was wide open. And um, there were definitely some of those those shot plays, like you mentioned that if they're just executed just a Tiny bit better. It's it's seven on the board. So um, you know, I think those are things that uh, you know, Packer fans are going to be excited about that they're using the run game to set up the play action and setting up some of those shot plays. Which earlier in Aaron Rodgers' career, obviously with Jordy Nelson and a lot of those weapons, it was something that they were so adept at, and is just kind of falling off a little bit these past couple years.
3: Yeah, exactly. And I mean, you look at our our uh, our season, and we had some injuries. Delaney Walker got hurt the first game of the year, and so that takes away a threat and. Um, you know, a lot of those shots were, like you said, so, you know, seven points, six points off the board, and that can make and break a, a drive in a game. So, you know, we're just inches away from being a 10 or 11, 12 win team and making the playoffs. So um, I know there when I was looking at Twitter after he got hired, there was some fans kind of saying, well, their offense didn't do very well. But when you look at it like that, I mean – it's a player or two here and there, and the team is in the playoffs. So,
1: absolutely, that- a player two, and a, a play or two, and a player or two. Like you said, losing Delaney Walker week one, I'm, I can only imagine how much that meant to the offense.
3: Yeah, exactly. Yep.
1: So you had kind of mentioned it, and then Matt Lafleur had mentioned it in in one of his very first interviews as well. That they're obviously going to be predicated on a zone running scheme, which most people knew coming in, of course. Uh, but he also mentioned that he looks to create an offense that has the illusion of complexity. You know, what does he kind of mean by this, and what are kind of some of the staples of that Matt Lafleur offense?
3: Um, well, I think he means uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of shifts and motions that take place. You know, with the receivers and the and the tight ends and fullbacks. So that's part of it. But then the other part is just when you run the play action, you want them to look exactly like a run and, you know, throw off the defense. So the different formations and shifts and stuff, it makes it a lot harder for the defenses to to game plan that because you don't know what they're going to do. Or, you know, it may look like uh, a zone left, but really it's going to be a pass play or, you know, vice versa. So it puts them on their heels and makes them, have to game plan for a wider wider variety of plays and um, definitely makes it more difficult for defenses.
1: Awesome. Certainly something that a lot of Packer fans have been pining for is more of the motion, more of the bunch formations. And I know that's something that Matt LaFleur certainly likes to do quite a bit of. Uh, kind of on the flip side, what was maybe something that was more difficult in kind of picking up the offense and something that maybe took you a little bit more time or maybe a teammate a little bit more time to transition to?
3: Well, I think just going off of what I said, um, with all the shifts and motions, it takes those guys in that spot longer or you know, they have to put in more hours of studying to know what, you know, what they have to do. And, you know, he definitely, he calls a lot of check plays, which most teams do, but, you know, sometimes it can get wordy and the, the verbiage of the call can get long. So you definitely have to know what what you're doing and the details of the play. Um, but it also puts you in the best position the best call that play so and with a guy like like Aaron Rodgers who's been in the league for years he'll be able to get the team in in the correct play so I think it, it could be a good fit for you guys
1: awesome well that's again fantastic to hear um and as usual the the devil's usually in the details with those things and yeah it can be more complex but a lot of times the payoff at the end is is well worth
3: it exactly
1: What's if you had to say one thing, you know, one specific thing that Matt LaFleur is gonna b- bring to Green Bay to help them get back to the playoffs and hopefully back to a Super Bowl, what would that one thing be that he's gonna to bring to the table?
3: I, I just saw him be super passionate and and detailed. I mean, he loves the game, he loves watching film, he loves breaking it down. I think he's gonna bring, you know, that energy to the team. I don't know the the Packers situation or anything, but I know when you have a guy that's been there for a while, things can kind of get monotonous and, you know, same old, same old. So having someone new come in and, you know, a guy that's, that's young and it's his first shot, you know, he's going to want to make the best of it. So, yeah. And like I said earlier, you know, a lot of it comes down to who he hires around him as well, you know, so hopefully he brings in the right guys and, he's a, he's an offensive minded guy. So I, th- I think he's already hired a D coordinator or kept the, the D coordinator that was there. Correct. R- red. Correct. Yeah. So, you know, he can kind of let the defense be decided by him and, and he can focus on the offense. So yeah, man, he, he loves his red bulls, his energy drinks and he's going to be wired and ready to go.
1: Awesome. Can't wait. I, I, I want to go play for, for Matt LaFleur after you're talking about him this way. I'm, <laughs> I'm pretty pumped up. That's awesome. So, you know, uh, thank you for taking the time to talk about Matt LaFleur. I did want to touch base with you a couple things on the the Titans and kind of where you're headed this year. So you're headed, obviously, in the second year of your contract uh, with Tennessee, and you're going to be working with a new offensive coordinator who has yet to be hired, of course. And this last year, the Titans, as you mentioned, were one win away from the postseason despite some of those injuries. So, of of course, the goal this offseason and into the next season is to go to a Super Bowl. But just how good can the Titans be in 2019 and what's it going to take for them to get there?
3: Man, I think we can go as far as we want to go. We've had, you know, guys like Corey Davis and Taewon Taylor. I mean, some of those guys who have really taken the next step. And, you know, if you were to add Delaney Walker to the mix and, you know, Derek Henry running like he was at the end. And, I mean, our defense was pretty lights out all year. So, I mean, shoot, if if we can stay healthy, I'm excited for the future and to see what we can do. But, you know, a lot of that is just luck and, you know, you can't control some of that stuff. So hopefully the the cards fall fall in our favor and we can have a good year next year.
1: Well, I, I certainly hope so as well. And, and hopefully uh, after this, uh, maybe a couple of fans uh, from the Packers will adopt the Titans as an AFC team and, and we'll certainly be rooting for you. Uh, you know, one kind of last question here. So hypothetically, let's say Matt LaFleur talks to general manager, Brian Gutekunst and says, you know what? I know this guy, Tyler, he is a, you know, under, you know, under the radar gem that's playing on the offensive line. They didn't play him enough, want to bring him into green Bay. We need to trade some draft picks or a premium player for him. What would your thoughts about, you know, playing for the Packers and, and, you know, playing for Matt LaFleur again, be?
3: Oh, I would love it. I mean, anytime you can, you play in the same system for more than just one year is, is a great thing, first of all. Um, second of all, I've been in Wisconsin, so I know what the atmosphere and the fans are like in that state, which would be great to play for again. And honestly, I think Green Bay would be a good fit for me. It's a little bit smaller, you know, compared to the other uh, cities with football teams. I just love being in the Midwest. It's, it's a great place to be. And uh, so I, I would love it. I would jump all over that if I get a chance to do that.
1: Awesome. So, so Brian Gudekunst, if you're listening, go out, get Tyler, put him in, <laughs> put him in on the offensive line. It'll be a perfect fit. Tyler, where can uh, fans follow you on social media?
3: Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Tyler Merritt sixty one, and you can follow me on Instagram at just Tyler Merritts. Last name is spelled M A R Z.
1: All right. Perfect. Again, that's M-A-R-Z where you can follow him at Tyler M-A-R-Z on Instagram. So Tyler, it's been an incredible pleasure talking to you today. I can't thank you enough for taking the time. Certainly best of luck this season. And if for some reason the Packers don't end up trading for you, which they obviously should be doing, uh, we'll be hoping for a Packers-Titan Super Bowl in 2019. Thanks so much, man.
3: Thank you, man. I appreciate you having me.
1: So first and foremost, a huge thank you to Tyler for taking the time to speak with me over the week during his time off. It was really great picking his brain on Matt LaFleur, what he's trying to accomplish, and what he's going to bring to Green Bay not sure about you, but as soon as that interview was over, I was jacked up and excited about Matt LaFleur really even more than I already was. was something I was certainly uh, really, really excited about, but that interview with Tyler had me really thinking of the things that, uh, that Matt LaFleur is going to be able to bring to this Green Bay offense. I thought one thing that he brought up that was really, really intriguing was really the complexity of the offense and how with some of those motions and those shifts, uh, that it really took some of the receivers a little bit more time to get used to that, that they had to put in a little bit more study. I think that's going to be something really to keep an eye on going forward. You know, you've got a Devontae Adams who's been in this Mike McCarthy offense his entire career. You've got some young rookie receivers. You know, a, a Jamon Moore stands out to me who's had some trouble picking up the last offense. Well, if this is an offense that has a lot of complexity and he has to learn something from scratch, that could really potentially put him behind. And then uh, you've got other rookies from this past year who, um, you know, Mark Wesveldis-Scantling, Equinemius St. Brown, who just spent all this time learning the Mike McCarthy offense. They're going to obviously have to learn something new now. So it's going to be really interesting to see which of these receivers really picks up this offense in full and is going to be able to implement and do exactly what what Aaron Rodgers expects out of them, what Matt LaFleur expect, expects out of them. So I think that's going to be something that's really going to be interesting to keep an eye on going forward. So again, thank you so much to Tyler for taking the time to do that. That was awesome. I would love to talk to him again sometime and certainly wishing him the best of luck this season. Before I let you go today, there was one other piece of noteworthy news that kind of came out over the weekend that was semi-Packers related. It was reported by Ian Rappaport that Morgan Burnett was looking to be released from the Steelers. I've heard some rumblings already from Packer fans about whether or not Green Bay should be interested in him. While I wouldn't necessarily be opposed to Morgan Burnett having some role on the Packers this year, I think there's a couple things that are important to remember. He played less than 400 snaps a season ago for Pittsburgh, so he really battled some injuries in in trying to get acclimated to that defense. He's on the wrong side of age 30. Uh, He doesn't have the speed that really Green Bay needs on defense at this point, his real strength in Green Bay prior when he was with Dom Capers was his knowledge and experience in Dom Capers defense. You know, him being able to communicate everything to the younger players, get everyone lined up appropriately. That was really one of his key skills on the defense. And now he's gonna be the new guy coming into to Mike Petton's defense should he sign with Green Bay. So he's gonna to have to learn everything new, and he's not gonna have that same level of experience, especially in again in Mike Petton's defense. So I think that's an issue. And then really You know, his last year in Green Bay, his best position was the dime linebacker position. And I think that would absolutely be his best position going forward as well. And this is really the reason that he reportedly wants to leave Pittsburgh, is because he wants to primarily focus on the safety position. So, you know, I just don't see it being a perfect match at this point, but I'll say this I think he's a player that if you get through the draft and if you get through free agency and you take a look at your roster and you're looking at the safety position and it's just not where you would like it to be and for some reason he's still available similar to a Trey Boston last year who didn't sign with Arizona till really really late in the process i believe it was just like a week before the season started you know i think if it's a situation like that and you're looking at your safety depth and you really don't like it then yeah bring him in for a minimal contract or something like that but if you're looking to bring him in at a high contract uh, I definitely would not do that. And uh, again, I would wait till you get through the free agency and the draft process to see, to see really what comes of the position and, and then take a look at it from there. Not too dissimilar to what Green Bay has done over the course of the last couple of years when they looked at Ahmad Brooks or Bashad Breland, Quinton Dial or Mercedes Lewis, there gets to be a point where you just look at a specific position and it just didn't get filled, you know, through the free agency and draft process the way that you really would have liked it to. So I think if that happens, sure, bring them on in towards the end of the process. But until that point, I would I would take a pass. That does it for today. Another tremendous thank you to Tyler Meritz for taking the time with me this week. If you're interested in following Tyler, you can absolutely do so on Twitter at TylerMeritz61. That's at Tyler TylerMeritz61, 61. Of course, he wears number 69 for the Titans and generally obviously plays offensive tackles, so make sure to keep an eye out for him this coming year. And of course, give him a follow on Twitter as well. Make sure to check out tomorrow's podcast with Matt Fralick and Janelle Mackey as they continue our end-of-year review series and break down the play of the Packers linebackers from 2018. Also, keep an eye out for Sarah Kelleher's first official episode this week. She will be on this Thursday's podcast with Steve Perhatch and Dusty Evely. So that's going to make quite the all-star team going forward as well. Something to look forward to. Thank you, as always, for listening. Thank you to Tyler for joining me, and good luck this season in Tennessee. And until next time, and as always, Go Pack Go!
2: 16 at New York, first down, goal to go, Rogers in the shotgun, to Williams to his left, here's the snap, Rogers clean pocket, flows the middle of the yeah. end zone, and a dagger, they beat Morris Playboard, to the back line of the end zone, the Packers are blood. snap to Wild, oh, yes, and taken by Jackson. For touchdowns! touchdown, Gerardimo and one brought by Jeremey Josh Jackson, the rookie, recovers at the end zone in a lay ball leap to the north end zone stand. The Packers have a six nothing lead. Beffert on third, down of three, in the shotgun. Packer showing a blitz, and here they come. Beffert looking, as he throws it, deep down the right sideline, and intercepted! <laughs> Stepped up a Spectacular interception by Kevin King at the nine-yard line of three-bay! Snap to Rodgers, looking right. Throws the right side, three down, makes the catch. Nice reach for the outbound! Oh, he reached back to gather it in, using all six five of his frame. Tumbled out of bounds. Inside the 30 of the 28-yard line. Hunter Bradley, the snap. J.K. Scott down on one knee. Arm extended. Here it is. Placement made. Kick is up. And it's good. It is good. good. It yes, is good. yes, yes trust trust delivers the there you dagger. One week after his worst day ever, he delivers the dagger tonight. Third and five, 13-yard line of Atlanta. Snap Brian Ryan, looks right, goes right, goes, second, to the house, the Freeland, touchdown, Green Bay Packers! 19-yard interception return, and it's 16-7, Packers! And Rodgers looks it over, takes the snap, blitz on, they pick it up, lost it, they got him, 10 touchdown! Touchdown. That's good. That's good. That's good. 40 yards. Single back off, and that's behind Aaron Rodgers. He ducks it under center. From the 29 in Green Bay, and here's the handoff off the middle. Big hole, straight ahead. Here's Aaron Jones up to the races, to the 20, to the 15, to the 10, down the left sideline, and he's out of bounds. Inside the 10 of the 5-yard line of Miami, Aaron Jones with a. 67 years
4: Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number 1 mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy and vitality.